Welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, the Corona Cold Reads troupe has now officially completed every play in Shakespeare's canon, um, and we are moving on. Uh, as I'm recording this, we are actually we have actually finished our initial run of plays, which lasted a year and a half. Uh, we began the very first week that the lockdowns began in Toronto, and we met for a while every two uh, twice every week. Um, and then we moved to once a week and we really developed a core troop of actors, both pro and amateur who came together um, to read these plays uh, every single week for a year and a half. So um, we are now releasing them all for you to enjoy in podcast form. They're also all available on YouTube if you prefer to watch the video version. Um, I will give you a heads up for specific episodes if I really think you should watch the YouTube version because um, there's a few that have really fun costumes and impressions and some cool visual effects and things. But for the most part, you should be okay to listen in podcast form. Uh, please do keep in mind that these are all real cold reads. For the most part, nobody found out uh, who they were reading, what characters they were reading um, with more than 24 hours notice. In most cases, people are genuinely reading cold. They haven't looked at the text beforehand. So there will be some stumbles and there will be points at which people are on mute and we have to figure out what's going on or a dog wanders into the frame or we have to deal with life interfering with our um, coping strategy here. So uh, please do be patient with that sort of thing. Um, so as we, we finished all of Shakespeare, so now we're moving on to the rest of the, I don't know, written word, I guess. Um, our strategy here was to break uh, everything down into mini seasons. Um, so we, we, we begin with uh, a season of Chekhov plays, and then we end with a season of Shaw plays. And in between, uh, we do a Sorkin season and a season of, uh, we do some seasonal things. So um, one-offs for Halloween or for Christmas or things like that. So we have a romance season for Valentine's. So everything is sort of uh, built like that. Um, in little chunks. So I hope you enjoy and um, please do check us out at my ent world, my ENT world, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, there's lots of great contact content going up there, both designed for those platforms as well as linking you back to the website, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. You can find all of our written work um, reviews from all sorts of different arts uh, branches and we also there have the links to um, each of these posts where you can find the full cast lists um, and links to the videos as well if you're interested in checking those out for Corona Cold Reads um, and please do subscribe on iTunes where you can find all of our uh, podcast content which there's tons of it we have all sorts of different series going um, we have the favorite series in Corona Cold Reads and Corona Movie Club and um season one episode one and all sorts of other uh, great content in, in addition to our regular my entertainment world podcast so um please do check that out rate and review all that jazz and uh thanks for tuning in so our first post shakespeare play um, was Three Sisters. We are beginning our Chekhov season, um, which consists of four plays. And uh, we are beginning with Three Sisters because it's one of my favorites. Um, and so I'm just going to take you through this cast list because I think this is a thing we're going to start doing now um, where I just tell you who's in the play so you know whose voices you're listening to. Um, as Olga, we had Anne Van Lewin. Masha was Laura Hubbard. Irina was Rebecca Vega Romero. 
Andre was Michael Ross Albert. Uh, Natasha was Gabby Grice, who, by the way, filled in with absolutely no notice. We had a dropout. And so Gabby found out she was performing this play at like 7.05 when the scheduled start time was 7 p.m. So I think Gabby is particularly impressive in this one. Um, as Kulgian, Kul, hmm, this is the problem with Chekhov is I don't know how to pronounce all the names. Kuligian, let's call him that. Saya Floyd's playing that role. Uh, Vershinen is Mark Crater. Uh, Tuzenbach was Nicanor Campos. Solioni, uh, Elizabeth Morris. Jabutkin was, uh, Fabiana Cabral. Fedotic was Alex Franks. Uh, Rode was Melissa Wright, Farapont, Scott McCulloch, and Enfisa was Elizabeth Ramirez. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this one. I don't think I need to tell you exactly what the plot is or anything of the Chekhov plays. They're very easy to follow. Um, we were really impressed with how readable the Chekhovs were. Um, they, I think we, they, they, we felt that they translated to Zoom very well, that the emotion comes through really beautifully and they really tap into something special about um, sort of our emotional journeys these days. So uh, we thought that the Chekhovs were, were really pretty special, especially these were sort of just random translations we found online and we thought they turned out beautifully. So I hope you enjoy as much as we enjoyed doing this. Act one of Three Sisters in the House of the Prozorovs. Michael, say it again for me. Prozorov. Okay, Prozorovs. God, guys. Uh, in the house of the Prozorovs, a drawing room with columns beyond which a sorry beyond which a large room is visible. Midday, it is bright and sunny. The table in the further room is being laid for lunch. Olga, in the dark blue uniform of a high school teacher, is correcting exercise books at times standing still, then walking up and down. Masha, in a black dress with her hat on her knee, is reading a book. Irina, in a white dress, is standing plunged in thought. Father died just a year ago, on this very day. 5th of May, your name day, Irina. It was very cold. Snow was falling. I felt as though I should not live through it. You lay fainting as though you were dead. But now a year has passed and we can think of it calmly. You are already in a white dress. Your face is radiant. Clock was striking then too. I remember the band playing and the firing at the cemetery as they carried the coffin. Though he was a great, well, he was a general in command of a brigade, yet there weren't many people there. It was raining now, heavy rain and snow. Why recall it? Uh, Chusenbach, Chibukin, and Soleoni appear near the table in the dining room beyond the columns. It is warm today. We can have the windows open, but the birches are not in leaf yet. Father was given his brigade and came here with us from Moscow 11 years ago, and I remember distinctly that in Moscow at this time, at the beginning of May, everything was already in flower. It was warm, and everything was bathed in sunshine. It's 11 years ago. And yet I remember it as though we had left it yesterday. Oh, dear. I woke up this morning, I saw a blaze of sunshine. I saw the spring and joy stirred in my heart. I had a passionate longing to be back at home again. Devil it is. 
course. It's nonsense. Masha, brooding over a book, softly whistles a song. Don't whistle, Masha. How can you? Being all day in school and then at my lessons till the evening gives me a perpetual headache and thoughts as gloomy as though I were old. And really, these four years that I have been at the high school, I felt my strength and my youth oozing away from me every day. And only one yearning grows stronger and stronger. To go back to Moscow. To sell the house, to make an end of everything here and off to Moscow. Yes, to Moscow and quickly. <laughs> Andre will probably be a professor. He will not live here anyhow. The only difficulty is poor Masha. Masha will come and spend the whole summer in Moscow every year. Please, God, it will all be managed. How fine it is today. I don't know why I feel so lighthearted. I, I remembered this morning that it was my name day, and at once I felt joyful and thought of my childhood when mother was living, and I was thrilled by such wonderful thoughts, such thoughts. You are radiant today and looking lovelier than usual. And Masha is lovely too. Andre would be nice looking, but he has grown too fat and that does <laughs> not suit him. And I've grown older and ever so much thinner. I suppose it's because I get so cross with the girls at school. Today, now I am free. I'm at home and my head doesn't ache and I feel younger than yesterday. I'm only 28. It's quite all right. It, it's all from God, but it seems to me that if I were married and sitting at home all day, it would be better. I would love my husband. You talk such nonsense. I'm tired of listening to you. I forgot to tell you. You will receive a visit today from Roshinin, the new commander of our battery. Well, I'll be delighted. Is he old? No, not particularly. 40 or 45 at the most. He seems to be a nice fellow. Well, he's not stupid, that's certain. Only he talks a lot. Is he interesting? Yes, he's all right. Only he has a wife, a mother-in-law, and two little girls. And it's his second wife, too. He is paying calls and telling everyone that he has a wife and two little girls. He'll tell you so, too. <laughs> His wife seems a bit crazy, with her hair and a long braid, like a girl's. Always talks in a high-flown style, makes philosophical reflections, and frequently attempts to commit suicide, evidently to annoy her husband. I should have left a woman like that years ago, but he puts up with it, puts up with her, and um, merely complains. With one hand, I can only lift up half a hundred weight. But with both hands, I can lift up two or even two and a half hundred weight. From that, I conclude that two men are not only twice, but three times as strong as one man, or even more. For hair falling out, two ounces of naphthalene in a bottle of alcohol to be dissolved and used daily. Let's make a note of it. No, no, I don't want it. It doesn't matter. Ivan Romanich, dear Ivan Romanich. What is it, my child, my joy? Tell me, 
why is it I am so happy today as though I were sailing with the giant blue sky above me and big white birds flying over it? Why is it? Why? My white bird. When I woke up this morning, got up and washed, it suddenly seemed to me as though everything in the world was clear to me and that I knew how one ought to live. Dear Ivan Romanich, I know all about it. A man ought to work, to toil in the sweat of his brow, whoever he may be, and all the purpose and meaning of his life, his happiness, his ecstasies lie in that alone. How delightful to be a workman who gets up before dawn and breaks stones on the road, or, or a shepherd, or a schoolmaster teaching children, or an engine driver. Oh, dear, to say nothing of human beings, it would be better to be an ox, better to be a, a humble horse as long as you can work, than a young woman who wakes at 12 o'clock, then has coffee in bed, then spends two hours dressing? Oh, how awful that is. Just as one has a, a, a craving for water in hot weather, I have a craving for work. And if I don't get up early and work, give me up as a friend, Ivan Romanich. I'll give you up. I'll give you up. Father trained us to get up at seven o'clock. Now Irina wakes at seven and lies in bed till at least nine thinking about things. And she looks so serious. You are used to thinking of me as a child and are surprised when I look serious. I'm 20. The yearning for work. Oh dear, how well I understand it. I've never worked a day in my life. I was born in cold, idle Petersburg in a family that had known nothing of work or cares of any kind. I remember when I came home from the military school, a valet used to pull off my boots. I used to be troublesome, but my mother looked at me with reverential awe and was surprised when other people didn't do the same. <laughs> I was shielded from work, but I doubt if they have succeeded in shielding me completely. I doubt it. The time is at hand. An avalanche is moving down upon us. A mighty clearing storm, which is coming, is already near and will soon blow the laziness, the indifference, the distaste for work, the rotten boredom out of our society. I'll work. And in another 25 or 30 years, everyone will have to work. Every one. I'm not going to work. You don't count. <laughs> In another 25 years, you won't be here, thank God. In two or three years, you will kick the bucket. Or I shall lose my temper and put a bullet through your head, my angel. And I really have never done anything at all. I haven't done a stroke of work since I left the university. I've never read a book. I read nothing but newspapers. Here, I know, for instance, from the newspapers, that there was such a person as Dobrolyubov. But what he wrote, I can't say. Goodness only knows. There. They're calling me downstairs. Someone has come for me. I'll be back directly. Wait a minute. He's got something up his sleeve. Yes, he went out with a solemn face. Evidently, he's just going to bring you a present. What a nuisance. Yes, it's awful. It's always <laughs> doing something silly. 
At the sea strand, an oak tree green. Upon that oak, a chain of gold. Upon you that are oak, not a very... chain of gold. You are not very cheerful today, Masha. Masha, humming, puts on her hat. Where are you going? Home. That's odd. A walk out on a name day party? Never mind. I'll come in the evening. <clears throat> Goodbye, my darling. Once again, I wish you be well and happy. In old days when father was alive, we always had 30 or 40 officers here on name days. It was noisy, but today there's only a man and a half, and it still has the desert. I'll go. I've got the blues today. I'm feeling glum, so don't you mind what I say. We'll talk some other time. For now, goodbye, darling. I'm going. Oh, how tiresome you are. I understand you, Masha. If a man philosophizes, there will be philosophy, or sophistry, anyway. But if a woman philosophizes, or two do it, then it will be so much twiddle-twaddle. What do you mean to say by that, you terrible person? <laughs> Nothing. He had not time to say a lack before the bear was on his back. Don't love her. Enter Anfisa and Farapont carrying a cake. Hmm. Hey, my good man. Oh, come in, your boots are clean. Uh, from the district council, from Mikhail Ivanich Propotopov, a cake. Thanks. Thank him. What? Thank him for me. Nanny, dear, give him something to eat. Farapon, go along. They will give you something to eat. Hey! Come along, Farapon, Faradonich, my good soul. Come along. I don't like that Protopopov, that Mihail Potopich or Ivanovich. He ought not to be invited. I didn't invite him. Well, that's a good thing. Enter Chbutkin, followed by an orderly with a silver samovar, a hum of surprise and displeasure. A samovar? How awful! My dear Ivan Romanich, what are you thinking about? <laughs> I warned you! <laughs> Ivan Romanich, you really have no conscience. My dear girls, my darlings, you are all that I have. You are the most precious treasures I have on earth. I shall soon be 60. I am an old man, alone in the world, a useless old man. There is nothing good in me except my love for you. And if it were not for you, I should have been dead long ago. My dear, my little girl, I've known you from a Baby, I've carried you in my arms. I loved your dear mother. Why such expensive presents? Expensive presents? Get along with you. But take the samovar in there. Expensive presents. My dears, a colonel is here, a stranger. Um, he's taken off his overcoat. Uh, uh, children, he's coming in here. Rinushka, 
You must be nice and polite here. Uh, it's time for lunch already. Oh, mercy on us. Vershinen, I suppose. Der Vershinen. Lieutenant Colonel Vershinen. I have the honor to introduce myself. My name is Vershinen. I'm very, very glad to be in your house at last. How you've grown up. Oh, oh, oh. Please sit down. We are delighted to see you. How glad I am. How glad I am. But there are um, three of you, sisters. I remember three little girls. I don't remember your faces, but that your father, Colonel Prozorov, had three little girls. I remember perfectly and saw them with my own eyes. How time passes. Hey, oh, how it passes. Alexander Ignatyevich has come from Moscow. From Moscow? You have come from Moscow? Yes. Uh, your father was in command of a battery there, and I was an officer in the same brigade. Your face. Now I seem to remember. I don't remember you. Olya! Olya! Olya, come! Olga comes out of the dining room into the drawing room. Lieutenant Colonel Vershinin is from Moscow, it appears. So, you are Olga Sergeyevnyan, and you are Maria, and you are Irina, the youngest. You come from Moscow. Yes, I studied in Moscow. I began my service there. I served there for, for years. And at last, I've been given a battery here. I have moved here, as you see. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly. I, I only remember you were three sisters. I remember your father. If I shut my eyes, I can see him as though he were living. I used to visit you in Moscow. I thought I remembered everyone. And now, all at once... My name is Alexander Igantyevich. Hmm. Alexander Igantyevich, you've come from Moscow. What a surprise. We're going to move there, you know. We're hoping to be there by the autumn. It's our native town. We were born there in old Basmanyaya Street. <laughs> to see someone from our town unexpectedly. Now I remember. Do you remember, Olya? They uh, used to talk of the lovesick major. You were a lieutenant at that time, and you were in love, and for some reason everyone called you major to tease you. Yes, yes. Uh, the lovesick major, that was it. You only had a mustache then. Oh, how much older you look, though? How much older? Uh Yes. <laughs> when I was called the love sick major, I was young. I was in love. Now it's very different. But you haven't a single gray hair. You've grown older, but you're not old. I'm in my 43rd year, though. Uh, is it long since you left Moscow? 11 years. Why are you crying, Masha, you foolish girl? I shall cry too. I am all right. And uh, in which street did you live? In old Basmanyana. Oh, that's where we live too. At, at one time, I lived in Niemsky Street. Uh, I used to go from there to the Red Barracks. There is a gloomy looking bridge mm -hmm. on the way where, where the water makes a noise. It makes a... A lonely man feel melancholy. And uh, 
here, what a, what a, a broad, splendid river, a marvelous river. Yes, but it is cold. It's cold here, and there are mosquitoes. Oh, how can you? You've such a splendid, healthy Russian climate here. Forests, river, and, and, and birches here, too. Charming, modest birches. I love them better than any other trees. It's nice to live here. The only strange thing is that the railway station is, is 15 miles away, and no one knows why it's so. Well, I know why it is. Because if the station had been near, it would not have been so far. And if it is far, it's because it is not near. He's fond of his joke, Vasily Vasilievich. Now I recall you too. I remember. I knew your mother. She was a fine woman. The kingdom of heaven be hers. Mother is buried in Moscow. In the Novo... Would you believe it? Marty, beginning to forget her face, so people won't remember us either. They'll forget us. Yes, they'll forget us. Such is our fate. There is no help for it. What seems to us uh, serious, significant, very important will one day be forgotten or will seem unimportant. And it's curious that we can't possibly tell what exactly will be considered great and important and what will seem petty and ridiculous. Didn't the discoveries of Copernicus or Columbus, let's say, seem useless and ridiculous at first? Well, the nonsensical writings of some fool seem true. And it may be that our present life, which we accept so readily, will in time seem strange, inconvenient, stupid, <laughs> not uh, clean enough, uh, perhaps even sinful. Who knows? Perhaps our age will be called a great one and remembered with respect. Now we have no torture chamber, no executions, no invasions, but at the same time, how much suffering there is. <laughs> chuck, 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 chuck. It's bread and meat to the Baron <laughs> to talk about ideas. Vasily Vasilyevich, I ask you to let me alone. It gets boring at last. Chuk, chuk, chuk. The suffering, which one observes now, there is so much of it, does indicate, however, that society has reached a certain moral level. Yes. Yes, of course. You said it just now, Baron, that our age will be called great, but people are small all the same. Look how small I am. A violin is played behind the scenes. That's Andre playing, our brother. He's the scholar of the family. We expect him to become a professor. Father was a military man, but his son has gone in for a scholarly career. It was his father's wish. We've been teasing him today. We think he's a little in love. With a young lady living here. She'll come in today, most likely. Oh, how she dresses. It's not that her clothes are merely ugly or out of fashion. They're simply pitiful. A weird, gaudy, yellowish skirt with some sort of vulgar fringe and a red blouse and her cheeks scrubbed till they shine. Andre is not in love with her. I won't admit that. He has some taste after all. It's simply for fun. He is teasing us, playing the fool. 
I heard yesterday that she is going to be married to Protopopov, the chairman of our district council. Very good thing too. Oh, Andre, come here. Come here, dear, for a minute. Dear Andre. This is my brother, Andre Sergeyevich. My name is Roshinin. And mine is Pizarov. You're our new battery commander. Can you believe Alexander Ignatievich comes from Moscow? Really? Well, then I congratulate you. My sisters will let you have no peace. <laughs> I, I've had time to bore your sisters already. <laughs> See what a pretty picture frame Andre has given me today? He made it himself. Yes. It is a thing. And, and that frame above the piano? He made that too. Andre waves his hand in despair and moves away. He's a scholar and he plays the violin and he makes all sorts of things with the fret saw. In fact, he's good all round. Andre, don't go! That's a way he has, he always tries to make off. Come here. Masha and Irina take him by the arms, laughing, lead him back. Come, come. Leave me alone, please. <laughs> How funny he is. Alexander Ignatievich used to be called the lovesick major at one time, and he wasn't a bit offended. No, not, not in the least. And I'd like to call you the lovesick violinist. Or the lovesick <laughs> professor. <laughs> He's in love, and Rusha is in love. <laughs> bravo, bravo, Andre, and Rusha is in love. <laughs> Nature, our hearts for love created. Come, come, that's enough. I haven't slept all night, and this morning I don't feel quite myself, as they say. I read till four o'clock and then went to bed, but it was no use. I thought of one thing and another, and then it gets light so early. The sun simply pours into my bedroom. I want, while I'm here during the summer, to translate a book from the English. Oh, you read English then? Yes, our father, the kingdom of heaven be his, oppressed us with his education. It's funny and silly, but it must be confessed I began to get fatter after his death. And I've grown too fat in one year, as though a weight has been taken off my body. Thanks to our father, we all know English, French, and German. And Arena knows Italian, too. But what it cost us? This town to know three languages is an unnecessary luxury. Not even a luxury, but an unnecessary, an unnecessary encumbrance, like a sixth finger. We know a great deal that's unnecessary. What next? <laughs> you know a great deal. It's unnecessary. I don't think there can be a town so dull and dismal that intelligent and educated people are unnecessary in, in it. Let's suppose that of the hundred thousand people living in this town, which is, of course, uncultured and behind the times, there are only three of your sort. It goes without saying that you cannot conquer the mass dar of darkness around you. Little by little, as you go on living, you'll be lost in the crowd. Uh, you'll have to give in to it. Life will get the better of you, but still, you'll not disappear without a trace. After you, there may appear perhaps six, like you, then twelve, and so on, until 
such as you form a majority in two or three hundred years, life on earth will be unimaginably beautiful, marvelous. Man needs such a life, and though he hasn't got it yet, he must have a presentiment of it, expect it, dream of it, prepare for it, for that he must know, must see and know more than his father and grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> and you complain a, a great deal. It's unnecessary. Oh, I'll stay till lunch. All that really ought to be written down. Andre has slipped away unobserved. You say that after many years, life on Earth, after many years, life on Earth will be beautiful and marvelous. That's true. But in order to have any share, however far off, to have any share, however far off, in it, now we must be preparing for it. We must be working. Yes. What a lot of flowers you have. And delightful rooms. I, I envy you. I've been knocking about all my life from one wretched lodging to another, always with two chairs and a sofa and stoves which smoke. What I've been lacking all my life is just such flowers. But that, there is no use thinking about it. Yes, we must work. No doubt you think the German is getting sentimental. But on my honor, I am Russian and I can't even speak German. My father belonged to the Orthodox Church. I, I, I often uh, think, what if you were to begin life over again? Knowing what you're doing. If one life, which has already which has been already lived, were only uh, a rough sketch, so to speak, and, and the second were the final copy. Then, I think, every one of us would try before anything else not to repeat himself. Anyway, uh, he would create different setting, uh, a different setting for his life, would have a house like this with plenty of light and masses of flowers. <laughs> I have a wife and two little girls, uh, my wife is in delicate health and so on and so on, but uh, if I were to begin life over again, I, I would not marry. No, no, no. Enter Kuliagin in uniform of a teacher. <laughs> Dear sister, allow me to congratulate you on your name day and with all my heart to wish you good health and everything else that one can desire for a girl your age. And to offer you as a gift this little book the history of our high school for 50 years written by myself and an insignificant little book written because i had nothing better to do but still you can read it oh good day friends my name is kulian high school teacher in the high school here court counselor oh in that book you'll find a list of all who have finished their studies in our high school during the last 50 years fici quod poti facciens melova potentes why, but you gave me a copy of this book at Easter. Impossible. Oh, if that's so, give it me back, or better still, give it to the Colonel. Please accept it, Colonel. Someday when you're bored, you can read it. Thank you. I'm extremely glad to have made your acquaintance. You're going? No, no. Oh, you must stay for lunch with us. Please do. I do. I believe I have intruded on name day party. Forgive me. I, I didn't know and haven't congratulated you. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is Sunday, 
a day of rest. Let's all rest and enjoy ourselves, each in accordance with our age and our position. The carpet should be taken up for the summer and put away till winter. Persian powder or a naphthalite, The Romans were healthy because they knew how to work and they knew how to rest. They had a men sana in corpore sano. Their life was molded in some framework. Our headmaster says that the most important thing in life is its framework. What loses its framework comes to an end, and it's the same in our everyday life. Masha loves me. My wife loves me. And the window curtains, too. Ought to be put away. And, and the carpets? Today, I feel cheerful and in the best of spirits. Oh, Masha, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, we have to be at the headmaster's house. An excursion has been arranged for the teachers and their families. I'm not going. Dear Masha, why not? We'll talk about it afterwards. Very well. I'll go only. Let me alone, please. And then we shall spend the evening at the headmaster's house. In spite of the delicate state of his health, that man tries before all things to be sociable. He's an excellent, noble personality, a splendid man. Yesterday, after the meeting, he said to me, I'm tired, Gordo Ilyich. I'm tired. Your clock is seven minutes fast. Uh, yes, he said, I'm tired. Found a violin playing behind the scene. Come to lunch, please. There's a pie. Ah, Olga, my dear Olga. Yesterday I was working from early morning till 11 o'clock at night and was tired out and today I feel happy, my dear. Pie, splendid. Only, mind you, don't drink today. Do you hear? It's bad for you to drink. Oh, come. That's a thing of the past. It's two years since I got drunk. Uh, but there, my good girl, what does it matter? Anyway, don't you dare to drink. Don't dare. Ugh, what the hell with it? I'm going to be bored at the whole evening at the headmaster's. I wouldn't go if I were you. It's uh, very simple. Don't go, my love. Oh, yes, don't go. It's a damnable life, insufferable. Come, come. Chuk, chuk, chuk. Enough, Vasily Vasilyevich. Stop it. Chuk, chuk. Your health, Colonel. I'm a teacher and one of our family here, Masha's husband. She's very kind, really very kind. I'll have some of this dark-colored vodka. To your health. I feel I feel so happy to be with you all. Oh. No one is left in the drawing room but Irina and Tuzenbach. Masha is in low spirits today. She was married at 18 when she thought him the cleverest of men, but now it's not the same now. He's the kindest of men, but he's not the cleverest. Andre, come on! I'm coming! Comes in and goes to the table. What are you thinking about? Nothing. I don't like that Solioni of yours. <laughs> I'm afraid of him. He keeps on saying such stupid things. He's a strange man. I'm sorry for him and annoyed by him. 
but more sorry. I, I think he's shy. When there's just the two of us, he's very intelligent and friendly, but in company, he's rude, a bully. Don't go yet. Let them sit down to the table. And let me be by you. What are you thinking of? You're 20. I'm not yet 30. How many years have we got before us? A long, long chain of days full of my love for you. Nikolai Livovich, don't talk to me about love. I have a passion craven, passionate craving for life, for struggle, for work, and that craving is mingled in my soul with my love for you. Irina. And just because you're beautiful, it seems to me that life, too, is beautiful. What are you thinking of? You say life is beautiful. Yes, but what if it only seems so? Life for us three sisters hasn't been beautiful yet. We've been stifled by it as plants are choked by weeds. I'm starting to cry. I, I mustn't do that. I must work. I must work. The reason we are depressed and take such a gloomy view of life is that we know nothing of work. We come of people who despised work. Enter Natalia Ivanovna, who she is wearing a pink dress with a green sash. They're sitting down to lunch already. I'm late. I think my hair is all right. Dear Irina Sergeyevna, I congratulate you. You have a lot of visitors. I really feel embarrassed. Good day, Baron. Here's Natalia Ivanova. How are you, my dear? Congratulations on the name day. You have such a big party, and I feel awfully embarrassed. Nonsense. We have only our own people. You've got on a green sash. My dear, that's not done. Why? Is that a bad omen? No, it's only that it doesn't go with your dress, and it looks odd. Really? But you know, it's, it's not green exactly. It's more a dull color. Follows Olga into the dining room. In the dining room, they're all sitting down to lunch. There's no one in the drawing room. I wish you a good fiancé, Irina. It's time for you to think of getting married. Natalia Ivanovna, I hope we may hear of your engagement too. Natalia Ivanova has got a suitor already. I'll have a little glass of wine. You only live once. What the hell? You deserve three bad marks for conduct. How nice this cordial is. What is it uh, made of? Cockroaches. Oh, oh, how disgusting. We're going to have roast turkey and apple pie for supper. Thank God I'm at home all day and we'll be at home in the evening. Friends, won't you come again this evening? Allow me to come too? Please do. They don't stand on ceremony here. 
Nature, our hearts for love created. Stop it, gentlemen. Aren't you tired of it yet? Podotic and Rode come in with a big basket of flowers. Why, they're at lunch already. At lunch? Yes, they are at lunch already. Wait a minute. One, oh, wait another minute. Two, now it's ready. Uh, my congratulations. I wish you everything, everything. The weather is delightful, perfectly magnificent. I've been out all the morning for a walk with the high school boys. I teach them gymnastics. You may move, Irina Sergeyevna. You may move. You look charming today. Here's a top, by the way. It has a wonderful sound. How lovely. By the seashore, an oak tree green. Upon that oak, a chain of gold. Why do I keep saying that? The phrase has been haunting me all day. Thirteen at table. Surely you don't attach importance to such superstitions. Haha. <laughs> if there are thirteen at table, it means someone present is in love. It's not you, Ivan Roman Romanovich, by chance. <laughs> I'm an old sinner. But why Natalia Ivanovna's blushing, I can't imagine. Loud laughter. Don't take any notice. Wait a minute. Stop, please. I feel ashamed. I don't know what's the matter with me, and they make fun of me. I know it's improper for me to leave the table like this, but I can't help it. I can't. My dear girl, please, I implore you, don't be upset. I assure you, they're only joking. They do it all in kindness. My dear, my sweet, they're all kind, warm-hearted people, and they're fond of me and of you. Come here to the window. Here they can't see us. I'm so unaccustomed to society. Oh, youth, lovely, marvelous youth. My dear, my sweet, don't be so distressed. Believe me, believe me, I feel so happy. My soul is full of love and ecstasy. Oh, they can't see us, they can't see us. Why, why, I love you. When I first loved you, oh, I don't know. My dear, my sweet, pure one, be my wife. I love you. I love you as I have never loved anyone. A kiss. Two officers come in and seeing their, the pair kissing, stop in amazement. Curtain. Act two, the same scene as in act one. Eight o'clock in the evening, behind the scenes in the street, there is a faintly audible sound of an accordion. There is no light. Natasha enters in a dressing gown, carrying a candle. She comes in and stops at the door leading to Andre's room. What are you doing, Andreusha? Reading? Never mind. I only just asked. Is there a light? W what is it, Natasha? I was looking to see whether there was a light. It's carnival. The servants aren't acting normally. You've always got to be on the lookout in case something goes wrong. Last night at 12 o'clock, I passed through the dining room and there was a candle left burning. I couldn't find out who had lighted it. 
What's the time? Uh, quarter past eight. And Olga and Irina aren't in yet. They haven't come in. Still at work. Poor dears. Olga is at the faculty meeting and Irina at the telegraph office. <sighs> I was saying to your sister this morning, take care of yourself, Irina, darling, said I. But she won't listen. A quarter past eight, you say? I'm afraid our Bobbick is not well at all. Why is he so cold? Yesterday he was feverish and today he is cold all over. I am so anxious. It's all right, Natasha. The boy is well. We better be careful about his food anyway. I'm anxious. And I'm told that the mummers are going to be here for the carnival at nine o'clock this evening. It would be better for them not to come, Andreyusha. I really don't know. They've been invited, you know. Baby woke up this morning, looked at me, and all at once he gave a smile. So he knew me. Good morning, Bobbick, said I. Good morning, darling. And he laughed. Children understand. They understand very well. So I'll tell them, Andreyusha, not to let the carnival party come in. Uh, that's for my sisters to say. It's for them to give orders, since it's their house. Yes, for them too. I'll speak to them. They are so kind. I've ordered yogurt for supper. The doctor says you must eat nothing but yogurt or you will never get thinner. Bobak is cold. I'm afraid his room is chilly, perhaps. We ought to put him in a different room till the warm weather comes, anyway. Arena's room, for instance, is just right for a nursery. It's dry and the sun shines there all day. I must tell her. She might share Olga's room for a time. She's never at home anyway, except for the night. Andre, why don't you speak? Nothing. I was... Besides, I have nothing to say. Yes. What was it I meant to tell you? Oh, yes. Farapont has come from the district council and is asking for you. Send him in. Tasha goes out. Andre, bending down to candle which she has left behind, reads, Enter Farapont, who wears an old shabby overcoat with the collar turned up and a scarf over his ears. Good evening, my good man. What is it? Uh, the uh, chairman has sent you a, a book and a, a paper of some sort. Thanks. Very good. Well, why have you come so late? It's past eight. Hey? I say you have come late. It's past eight o'clock. Oh, just so. Yeah, I, I came before it was dark, but they wouldn't let me see you. The master's busy, they said. Well, of course, if you're busy, I'm in no hurry. Eh? Nothing. Tomorrow is Friday. We don't have a meeting. But I'll come all the same and do my work. It's boring at home. Dear old man, how strangely life changes and deceives you. Today, I was so bored and had nothing to do, so I picked up this book, Old University Lectures, and I laughed. Good heavens, I'm the secretary of the district council, of which Protopopov is the chairman. I am the secretary, and the most I can hope for is to become a member of the board. Me, a member of the local 
district council. Well, I dream every night I'm a professor at the University of Moscow, a distinguished man of whom all Russia is proud. I can't say, sir. I don't hear well. If you did hear well, perhaps I shouldn't talk to you. I must talk to somebody and my wife doesn't understand me. My sisters, I'm somehow afraid of. I'm afraid they will laugh at me and make me ashamed. I don't drink. I'm not fond of restaurants, but how I enjoy sitting at Tiestov's or the Bolshoi Moskovsky at this moment, dear old man. A, a contractor was saying at the board the other day, uh, there were some merchants in Moscow eating pancakes. Uh, one who, who ate 40, it seems, died. It was either 40 or 50. I don't, I don't remember. In Moscow, you sit in a huge room at a restaurant. You know no one and no one knows you. And at the same time, you don't feel a stranger. But here, you know everyone and everyone knows you. And yet you are a stranger, a stranger, a stranger and lonely. Hey, the same contractor says, maybe it's not true. There's a rope stretched right across Moscow. What for? I can't say, sir. That's what the contractor said. Have you ever been to Moscow? No, never. Wasn't God's will I should? Mind if I go? You can go. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. Come tomorrow morning and pick up some papers here. Go. He's gone. Yes, it's work. Stretches and goes slowly into his own room. Behind the scenes, a nanny is singing, rocking a baby to sleep, under Masha and Vershinin. While they are taking a maid, well, while they are talking, a maidservant is lighting a lamp and candles in the dining room. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Of course, habit means a great deal. After father's death, for instance, it was a long time before we could get used to having no orderlies in the house, but... Apart from habit, I think it's a feeling of justice makes me say so. Perhaps it's not so in other places, but in our town, the most decent, honorable, and well-bred people are all in the army. <clears throat> I'm thirsty. I'd like some tea. They'll soon be bringing some. I was married when I was 18, and I was afraid of my husband because he was a teacher. I'd only just left school. In those days, I thought him an awfully scholarly, clever, and important person, and now it's not the same, unfortunately. Yes, I, I see. I'm not speaking of my husband. I'm used to him. But among civilians, generally, there's so many rude, ill-mannered, badly brought-up people. Rudeness upsets and distresses me. I'm unhappy when I see that a man is not refined, not gentle, not polite enough. When I have to be among the teachers, my husband's colleagues, it makes me quite miserable. Yes. 
but to my mind, it makes no difference whether they are civilians or military men. They are equally uninteresting in this town. Anyway, it's all the same. If one listens to a man of the educated class, here, civilian or military, he's worried to death by his wife, worried to death by his house, worried to death by his estate, worried to death by his, his horses. A Russian is peculiarly given to exalted ideas, but why is it he always falls so short in life? Why? Why? Why is he worried to death by his children and by his wife? And why are his wife and children worried to death by him? You're rather depressed this evening. <laughs> Perhaps. I've had no dinner today and nothing to eat since morning. My daughter is not quite well. And when my little girls are ill, I am consumed by anxiety. My conscience reproaches me for having given them such a mother. <laughs> if you had seen her today, what, what a fool she is. Um, we began quarreling at seven o'clock in the morning and at nine, I, I slammed the door and went away. <clears throat> I, I, I never talk about it. Strange, it's, it's only to you. I complain. Don't be angry with me. Except for you, I, I, I have uh, no one. No one. What a noise in the stove. Before father died, there was howling in the chimney. There, just like that. Are you superstitious? Yes. That's strange. You are a splendid, wonderful woman. Splendid, wonderful. It's dark, but I, uh, I see the light in your eyes. It's later here. I love you. Lo love you, love you. I love your eyes. Your movements. I see them in my dreams. Splendid, wonderful woman. You talk to me like that for some reason. I laugh, though. I am frightened. Please don't do it again. You may say it, though. I don't mind. Oh, I don't mind. Oh, someone is coming. Talk of something else. Irina and Tutzenbach come in through the dining room. <clears throat> I've got a three-barreled name. My name is Baron Tusenbach Krohn Altauscher, but I belong to the Orthodox Church and am just as Russian as you. <laughs> there is very little of the German left in me. Nothing, perhaps, but the patience and obstinacy with which I bore you. I walk you home every evening. Oh, how tired I am. And every day I'll come to the telegraph office and walk you home. I'll do it for ten years, for twenty years, till you drive me away. Oh, it's you. How are you? Well, I'm home at last. A lady came just now to telegraph her brother in Saratov that her son died today and she couldn't think of the address. So she sent it without an address, simply to Saratov. She was <laughs> crying. And I was rude to her for no reason. Told her I had no time to waste. It was so stupid. Are the carnival people coming tonight? Yes. I must rest. I'm tired. 
When you come from the office, you seem so young, so forlorn. I'm, I'm tired. No, I don't like telegraph work. I don't like it. You've grown thinner. And you look younger. Rather like a boy in the face. That's the way she does her hair. I must find some other job. This does not suit me. What I so longed for, what I, what I dreamed of, is the very thing that it's lacking in. It is work without poetry, without meaning. There's the doctor knocking. Knock back, dear. I can't. I'm tired. He will come directly. We ought to do something about it. The doctor and our Andre were at the club yesterday, and they lost again. I am told Andre lost 200 rubles. Well, it can't be helped now. Two weeks ago, he lost money. In December, he lost money. I wish he'd hurry up and lose everything. Then perhaps we'd go away from this town. My God, every night I dream of Moscow. It's perfect madness. <laughs> we'll move there in June, and there's still left February, March, April, May, almost half a year. The only thing is Natasha must not hear of his losses. I don't suppose she cares. Shabutkin, who has just got off to bed, has been resting after dinner, comes into the dining room combing his beard, then sits down to the table and takes a newspaper out of his pocket. Oh, here he is. Has he paid his rent? <laughs> No, not a copic for eight months. Evidently, he's forgotten. How gravely he sits. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so quiet, Alexander Ignatyevich? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm longing for tea. I'd give half my life for a glass of tea. <laughs> I've had nothing to eat since the morning. Irina Sergeyevna. What is it? Uh, come here. Venez ici. Irina goes and sits down at the table. I can't, I can't do without you. Irina lays out the cards for patience. Well, if they don't bring us tea, let's uh, discuss something. By all means. What? What? Let us dream. Mm. For instance of... The life that will come after us in two or three hours. Well, when we are dead, men will fly in balloons, change the fashion of their coats, will discover a sixth sense, perhaps, and develop it. But life will remain just the same. Difficult, full of mysteries and happiness. In a thousand years, man will sigh just the same. Ah, how hard life is. And yet, just as now, he will be afraid of death and not want it. Well, I don't know. It seems to me that everything on earth is bound to change by degrees and is already changing before our eyes. In two or three hundred years, perhaps in a thousand years, the, the time does not matter. A new... A new Happy life will come. We shall have no share in that life, of course, but we're living for it. We're working 
well, yes, and suffering for it. We're creating it. And that alone is the purpose of our existence and is our happiness, if you like. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. I've been laughing all day. I was at the same school as you were. I didn't go to the military academy. Uh, I read a great deal, but I don't know how to choose my books. And very likely I read quite the, the wrong things. And yet the longer I live, the more I want to know. My, my hair is turning gray. I, I am almost an old man, but I know so little. Oh, so little. But all the same, I think that I do know and thoroughly grasp what is essential and matters most. And how I should like to make you see that there is no happiness for us, that there ought not to be and will not be. We must work. Work and work and happiness is the portion of our remote descendants. If it's not for me, but at least it's for the descendants of my descendants. Fidotic and Rode appear in the dining room. They sit down and sing softly, playing the guitar. You think it's no use even dreaming of happiness, but... What if I'm happy? No, you're not. <laughs> it's clear we don't understand each other. Well, how am I to convince you? <laughs> laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> not only in two or three hundred years, but in a million years, life will be just the same. Oh, life will be just the same. It doesn't change. It remains stationary, following its own laws, which we have nothing to do with, or which, anyway, we'll never find out. Migratory birds, cranes, for instance, fly backwards and forwards, and whatever ideas, great or small, stray through their minds, they'll still go on flying just the same without knowing where or why. They fly, and will continue to fly, however, philosoph however philosophic they may become, and it doesn't matter how philosophical they are, so long as they go on flying. But still, isn't there a meeting? Meaning? Here it's snowing. What meaning is there in that? I think man ought to have faith or ought to seek a faith or else his life is empty. Empty. To live and not to understand why cranes fly, why children are born, why there are stars in the sky. You've got to know what you're living for, or else it's all nonsense and waste. And yet, you're sorry when your youth is over. Google says it's still living in the world, friends. I say it's difficult to argue with you, friends. <laughs> oh, well, I give up. Balzac was married at Berdichev. I really must put that down in my book. Balzac was married at Berdichev. Dice cast. Balzac was married at Berdichev. Dice cast. You know, Maria Sergeyevna, I've resigned my commission. So I hear. 
I see nothing good in that. I don't like civilians. Oh, never mind. I'm not good-looking enough for a soldier. But that doesn't matter, though. I'm going to work. I'm going to work, if only for one day in my life, to work so that I come home at night tired out and fall asleep as soon as I get into bed. Workmen must sleep soundly. I bought these colored pencils for you just now as I passed uh, Sigovzik's on Moscow Street. And this penknife. You've got used to treating me as though I were little, but I'm grown up, you know. Oh, how lovely. And I bought a knife for myself. Look, one blade and another blade, a third. And this is for your ears. And here are scissors, and that's for cleaning your nails. Doctor, how old are you? Me? 32. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you another kind of patience. Lays out the cards. The samovar is brought in, and Fisa is at the samovar. A little later, Natasha comes in and is also busy at the table. So Leone comes in, and after greeting the others, sits down at the table. What a win there is! Yes. I'm sick of the winter. I've already forgotten what summer is like. The game is working out right. I see. We shall go to Moscow. No, it's not working out. You see, the eight is over the two of spades. <laughs> so that means you won't go to Moscow. Titsikar, smallpox is raging there. Masha, come to tea, my dear. Uh, come, Your Honor. Excuse me, sir, I've forgotten your name. Bring it here, Nanny. I'm not going there. Nanny! I'm coming. Little babies understand very well. Good morning, Bobbick. Good morning, darling, I said. He looked at me in quite a special way. You think I say that because I'm a mother, but no, I assure you, he's an extraordinary child. If that child were mine, I'd fry him in a frying pan and eat him. Rude, ill-bred man. Happy people don't notice whether it's winter or summer. I think if I lived in Moscow, I wouldn't mind what the weather was like. The other day, I was reading the diary of a French minister written in prison. The minister was condemned for the Panama affair with what enthusiasm and delight he describes the bird he sees from the prison window, which he never noticed before when he was a minister. Now that he's released, of course, he notices birds no more than he did before. In the same way, you won't notice Moscow when you live in it. We have no happiness and never do have. We only long for it. <sighs> what has become of the sweets? Solyonye has eaten them. All? Uh, there's a letter for you, sir. Uh, for me? Uh, from my daughter. Huh, yes, of course. Excuse me, Maria Sergeyevna. I'll slip away. I won't have tea. <laughs> Always these upsets. What is it? Not, not a secret. Uh, my wife has taken poison again. I must go. I'll slip off. I've noticed horribly unpleasant it all is. 
my fine, dear, splendid woman. Oh, go this way without being seen. Goes out. Where is he off to? I've just given him his tea. What a man. Leave me alone. Don't pester you. Give me no peace. You bother me, old lady. Why are you so huffy, darling? And Fisa! Fisa. Well, peace is there. Goes out. Let me sit down. You take up all the table with all your cards. Drink your tea. How mean you are, Masha! If I mean, don't talk to me. Don't interfere. Don't interfere. Don't interfere. You're 60 years old, but you talk rot like a schoolboy. Just to raise hell. <sighs> Dear Masha, why make use of such expressions and conversation? With your attractive appearance, I tell you straight out, you would be simply fascinating in a well-bred social circle if it were not for the things you say. Je vous prie, pardonnez-moi, Marie, mais vous avez des manières un peu grossières. Give me... <laughs> I think there's some brandy there. Il paraît que mon bobic déjà ne dort pas. He's awake. He isn't well today. I must go to him. Excuse me. Where has Alexander Yevich gone? Home. Something going on with his wife again. You always sit alone, thinking. There's no making out what you think about. Come, make peace. Let's have a drink of brandy. I'll have to play the piano all night, I suppose. Play all sorts of trash. Here goes. Why do you want to make peace? I haven't quarreled with you. You always make me feel as though something had gone wrong between us. You are a strange character. There's no denying that. Oh, I am strange. Who is not strange? Be not wrath, Aleko. <laughs> I don't see what Aleko has got to do with it. When I'm tete-a-tete with somebody, I'm all right, just like anyone else. But in company, I'm depressed, ill at ease, say all sorts of idiotic things. But at the same time, I'm more conscientious and straightforward than many. And I can prove it. I often feel angry with you. You're always attacking me when we're in company, and yet I somehow like you. (laughs) Uh, What the hell? I'm going to drink a lot today. Let's drink! Let's. I never had anything against you, Baron. But I have the temperament of Lermontov. In fact, I'm rather like Lermontov to look at. So I'm told. I have sent in my resignation. I've had, an, I've had enough of it. I have been thinking of it for five years. And at last, I have come to a decision. I'm going to work. Be not wrath, Aleko. Forget, forget thy dreams. While they're talking, Andre comes in quietly with a book and sits down by a candle. I'm going to work. And the food, too, was real Caucasian stuff. Onion soup. And for the meat course, uh, tich hartma. Uh, tich, 
Cheremsha is not meat at all. It's a plant, rather like our onion. No, my dear soul, it's not onion, but mutton, roasted in a special way. But I tell you that Cheremsha is an onion. And I tell you that Chahartma is mutton. And I tell you that Cheremsha is an onion. What's the use of my arguing with you? You have never been to the Caucasus or eaten Chehartma. I haven't eaten it because I can't stand it. Cheremsha smells like garlic. That's enough, please. When are the carnival party coming? They promised to come at nine, so they will be here directly. Oh, my porch, oh, my new porch. With hosts of maple wood. <laughs> and lattice work complete. Hang it all, <laughs> let's have a drink. Andriusha, let's drink to our everlasting friendship. I'll go to the university in Moscow when you do. I'll go to the university in Moscow when you do, Andriusha. Which? There are two universities in Moscow. There is only one university in Moscow. I tell you, there are two. There may be three for anything I care. So much the better. There are two universities in Moscow. There are two universities in Moscow. The old one and the new one. And if you don't care to hear if what I say irritates you, I can keep quiet. I can even go into another room. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's begin. I'll sit down and play. Funny fellow, that's Solioni. <laughs> oh, the Baron is drunk. The Baron is drunk. The Baron is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan Romanich. <laughs> Mm. What is it? It's time we were going. Good night. Good night. It is time to be going. Excuse me? What about the carnival party? Uh, they won't be coming. You see, dear, Natasha says Bobic is not well, and so... In fact, I know nothing about it and don't care either. Bobic isn't well. Well, it's not the first time we've had to lump it. If we're kicked out, we must go. It's not Bobic that's ill, but she's a bit petty, vulgar creature. Andre goes by door on right. To, what goes by door on right to his own room? Jabutkin follows him there, saying goodbye in the dining room. What a pity! I was meaning to spend the evening, but of course, if the child is ill, I'll bring him a toy tomorrow. I had a nap today after dinner on purpose. I thought I'd be dancing all night. Why, it's only nine o'clock. Let's go outside where we can talk. We'll decide what to do. Sounds of goodbye, good night. The good, uh, the good humored laugh of Tutzenbach is heard, although <laughs> out. And Fisa and maidservant clear the table and put out the light. There is the sound of the nanny singing. Andre in his hat and coat, and Chu can come in quietly. I never had time to get married because life has flashed by like lightning. 
and because I was passionately in love with your mother, who was married. A person shouldn't get married. You shouldn't because it's boring. That's all very well. But what about loneliness? Say what you like. It's a dreadful thing to be lonely, my dear boy. But no matter, though. Come on, let's go. What's the hurry? We have plenty of time. I'm afraid my wife may stop me. I'm not going to play today. I'll just sit and look on. I don't feel well. What can you do, Ivan Romanich, for shortness of breath? It's no use asking me. I don't remember, dear boy. I, I don't know. Let's go through the kitchen. They go out. A ring, then another ring. There's a sound of voices and laughter. What is it? The mummers, all dressed up. Nanny, dear, tell them there's no one at home. They must excuse us. And Fisa goes out. Irina walks about the room in hesitation. She is excited. Enter Sogliani. No one here. Where are they all? They've gone home. How strange. Are you alone here? Yes. Good night. I behave tactlessly, without sufficient restraint just now. But you're not like other people. You're pure and noble. You see the truth. You alone can understand me. I love you. I love you deeply, infinitely. Good night. You must go. I can't live without you. Oh, my joy. Oh, happiness. These, those glorious, exquisite, marvelous eyes, such as I have never seen in any other woman. Don't, Vasily Vasilievich. For the first time, I am speaking of love to you. And I feel as though I were not on Earth, but on another planet. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't matter. There is no forcing kindness, of course. But there must be no successful rivals. There must not be. I swear by all that is sacred, I will kill any rival. Oh, exquisite being. <laughs> Natasha crosses the room with a candle. Andre is there. Let him read. Excuse me, Vasily Vasilievich. I didn't know you were here, and I'm in my dressing gown. I don't care. Goodbye. Goes out. You're tired, my poor dear little girl. You ought to go to bed earlier. Uh, is Bobbik asleep? He's asleep, but not sleeping quietly. By the way, dear, I keep meaning to speak to you, but either you are out or else you haven't the time. I think Bobbik's nursery is cold and damp, and your room is so nice for a baby. My sweet, my dear, you might move for a time into Olia's room. Where? Sound of a three-horse sleigh with bells driving up the door. You would be in the same room with Olga and Bobik in your room. He is such a darling. I said to him today, Bobik, you are mine. You are mine. And he looked at me with his funny little eyes. Oh, that must be Olga. How late she is. The male comes up to, the maid comes up to Natasha and whispers in her ear. 
Protopopov? What a crazy fellow he is. Protopopov has come and asks me to go out with him in his sleigh. <laughs> How strange men are. Somebody has come. I might go for a quarter of an hour. Tell him I'll be right there. You hear? It must be Olga. Goes out. The maid runs out. Irina sits lost in thought. Kulgin, Olga, and Vershinin come in. Well, this is a surprise. They said they were going to have an evening party. Strange. And when I went away half an hour ago, they were expecting the carnival people. They've all gone. Has Masha gone too? Where has she gone? And why is Prapatopov waiting below with his sleigh? Whom is he waiting for? Don't ask questions. I am tired. Oh, isn't she a bad little girl? The meeting is only just over. Tired out. Our headmistress is ill and I have to take her place. Oh, my head. My head does ache. Oh, my head. Andre lost 200 rubles yesterday at cards. The whole town is talking about it. Yes, I'm tired out by the meeting, too. My wife took it into her head to give me a fright. She nearly poisoned herself. It's all right now, and I'm glad it's a relief. So, we are to go away? Very well, then I'll say goodnight. Fedor Ilyich, I'll, let's, let's, let's go somewhere together. I, I can't stay at home. I, I absolutely can't. Come along. I am tired. I'm not coming. I'm tired. Has my wife gone home? I expect so. Good night. I have all day tomorrow and the next day to rest. Good night. Oh, I, I do want some tea. I was counting on spending the evening in pleasant company. Oh, phalachem hominem spem. Accusative of exclamation. Well, then I must go alone. I was out with Kulgin, whistling. Headaches. Oh, my headaches. Andre has lost his cards. The whole town is talking about it. I'll go and lie down. Tomorrow I'll be free. Oh, God, how nice is that? Tomorrow I'm free. And the day after I'm free. My head does ache. Oh, my head. Goes out. They've all gone away. There's no one left. An accordion plays in the street. The nanny sings. Natasha in a fur cap and coat crosses the dining room, followed by the maid. I'll be back in half an hour. I'll only go a little way. Goes out. Oh, to go to Moscow. To Moscow. Curtain. Act three, the bedroom of Olga and Irina. On the left and right, on the left and right, beds with screens around them. Past two o'clock in the night, behind the scenes, a bell is ringing on account of a fire in the town, which has been going on for some time. It can be seen that no one in the house has gone to bed yet. On the sofa, Masha is lying, dressed as usual in black. Enter Olga and Anfisa. Sitting below, under the stairs. I said to them, come upstairs, why, why, you mustn't stay there. And they only cried, we don't know where father is. They said, what if he's burnt? Oh God, what an idea. And the, the poor soul's in the yard and, and they're all undressed too. Take this great dress and this one, this blouse too, and, and, and that skirt, Danny. 
Oh dear, what a dreadful thing. Gersenov Street is burnt to the ground, it seems. Uh, take this and, and this. The Vershinans have had a fright, poor things. Their house was very nearly burnt. Let them stay here the night. We can't let them go home. Poor Fedotik has everything burnt. He doesn't have a thing left. Uh, you, you'd better call Farapont. I'll just go, darling. I can't carry it all. Uh, no one will answer the bell. Come here, whoever is there. Through the open door can be seen a window red, window red with fire. The fire brigade is heard passing the house. How awful it is. And I'm sick of it. Enter Farapont. Here, take these, carry them downstairs. The Colotin young ladies are downstairs. Give it to them and give this too. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, in 1812, Moscow was burnt too. Mercy on us. The French were surprised. You can go now. Very good. Mm. Nanny, darling, give them everything. We don't want anything. Give it all to them. I'm tired. I can hardly stand on my feet. We mustn't let their Vershinans go home. The little girls can sleep in the drawing room. And Alexander Ignatievich down below at the Barons. Fedotik can go to the Barons too, or sleep in the dining room. As Illuk would have it, the doctor is drunk, frightfully drunk. No one can be put in his room. And Vershinan's wife can be in the drawing room too. Lushka, darling, don't send me away. Don't send me away. That's nonsense, Nanny. No one is sending you away. My own, my treasure. I, I work, I do my best. I'm getting weak. Um, everyone will say, send her away. I'm, where am I to go? Uh, where, I, I'm 80, 81. Sit down, Nanny, darling. You are tired, poor thing. Rest, dear good Nanny. How pale you are. Dear Natasha. They're saying we must form a committee at once for the assistance of those whose houses have been burnt. Well, that's a good idea. Indeed, we ought always to be ready to help the poor. It's the duty of the rich. Bobic and baby Sophie are both asleep, sleeping as though nothing were happening. There are such a lot of people everywhere. Wherever you go, the house is full. There is influenza in the town now. I'm so afraid the children may get it. In this room, you can't see the fire. It's quiet here. Yes. My hair must be untidy. They say I have grown fatter, but it's not true. Not a bit. Masha is asleep. She's tired out, poor dear. Don't dare to sit down in my presence. Get up. Go out of the room. Why you keep that old woman, I can't understand. Excuse me. I don't understand either. She's no use here. She's a peasant. She ought to be in the country. You spoil people. You like order in the house. There ought to be no useless servants in the house. You are tired, poor darling. Our headmistress is tired. When baby Sophie is a big girl and goes to the high school, I shall be afraid of you. I won't be headmistress. You'll be elected, Olekcha. That's a settled thing. I'll refuse. I can't. I can't. It's too much for me. 
You were so rude to Nanny just now. Excuse me, I, I can't endure it. It makes me feel faint. Forgive me, Olia. Forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Now she gets up, takes her pillow, and goes out in a rage. You must understand, my dear. It may be that we have been strangely brought up, but I can't endure it. Such an attitude oppresses me. It makes me ill. I feel simply unnerved by it. Forgive me. Forgive me. The very slightest rudeness, a tactless word, upsets me. I often say too much, it's true, but you must admit, dear, that she might just as well be in the country. She's been with us for 30 years. But now she can't work. <laughs> Either I don't understand or you won't understand me. She's not fit for work. She does nothing but sleep or sit still. Well, let her sit still. How sit still? Why, she's a servant. I don't understand you, Olia. I have a nanny to look after the children as well as a wet nurse for baby, and we have a housemaid and a cook. What do we want that old woman for? What's the use of her? The alarm bell rings behind the scenes. Night has made me ten years older. We must come to an understanding, Olia. You are at the high school. I'm at home. You're teaching while I look after the house. And if I say anything about the servants, I know what I'm talking about. I do know what I am talking about. And that old thief, that old hag, that old witch shall clear out of the house tomorrow. I won't have people annoy me. I won't have it. Really? If you don't move downstairs, we'll always be quarreling. It's awful. Enter cool cool mm, Saya. Where is Masha? It's time to be go going home. The fire is dying down, they say. <sighs> Only one part of the town has been burnt, and yet there was a wind. It seemed at first as though the whole town would be destroyed. Exhausted. Election, my dear. I often think if it had not been for Masha, I would have married you. You're so good. I'm tired out. What is it? It's unfortunate the doctor should be drinking just about just now. He is helplessly drunk. Most unfortunate. Oh, here he comes, I do believe. Do you hear? He, yes, he's coming this way. What a man he is, really. Oh, I'll go hide. Isn't he a ruffian? He hasn't drunk for two years, and now he's gone and done it. Walks away with, with Natasha to the back of the room. Jibutkin comes in, walking as though sober without staggering. He walks across the room, stops, looks around, then goes to the washing stand and begins to wash his hands. The devil take them all. Damn them all. They think I'm a doctor, that I can treat all sorts of complaints, and I really know nothing about it. I've forgotten all I did know. I remember nothing, absolutely nothing. The devil take them. 
Last Wednesday, I treated a woman at Zazip. She died. And it's my fault that she died. Yes, I, I, I did know something 25 years ago, but now I remember nothing, nothing. Perhaps I'm not a man at all, but only pretend to have arms and legs and head. Perhaps I don't exist at all and only imagine that I, I walk around, eat and sleep. If only I didn't exist. I, I don't care. I don't care a scrap. Who the hell knows? The day before yesterday, there was a, a conversation at the club. They talked about Shakespeare, Voltaire. I've read nothing, nothing at all, but I looked as though I'd read them. And the others did the same as I did. The vulgarity, the meanness, and that, that woman I, I killed on Wednesday came back to my mind, and it, it all came back to my mind, and everything seemed nasty and disgusting and all twisted in my soul. I went and got drunk. Enter Irina, Vershinen, and Tutzenbach. Tutzenbach is wearing a fashionable new civilian suit. Let's sit here. No one will come here. If it hadn't been for the soldiers, the whole town would have been burned down. Splendid fellows. They are first-rate men. Splendid fellows. What time is it? Past three. It's past three. It'll soon be light. Light already. They're all sitting in the dining room. No one seems to think of going, and that Solyonyi of yours is sitting there, too. You'd better go to bed, Doctor. Uh, it's all right. Thank you. <laughs> You've been hitting the bottle, Ivan Romanich. Bravo! In vino veritas, the ancients used to say. Everyone is asking me to get up a concert for the benefit of the families whose houses have been burned down. Why? Who is there? We could do it if we want. If we wanted to. Maria Sergeyevna plays the piano splendidly, to my thinking. Yes, she plays splendidly. She's forgotten. She hasn't played for three or four years. There is absolutely no one who understands music in this town. Not one soul. I do understand, and on my honor, I assure you that Maria Sergeyevna plays magnificently, almost with genius. You are right, Baron. I'm very fond of her. Masha, I mean. She is a good sort be able to play so gloriously and to know that no one understands you. Yes. But would it be suitable for her to take part in a concert? I know nothing about it, my friends. Perhaps it would be all right. There's no denying that our director is a fine man. Indeed, a very fine man. Very intelligent. But he has such views. Of course, it's not his business. Still, if you like, I'll speak to him about it. Uh, William picks up a china clock and examines it. I got dirty all over the fire. I'm a sight 
I heard a word dropped yesterday about our brigade being transferred ever so far away. Some say to Poland and others to Chicha. I've heard something about it too. Well, the town will be a wilderness then. We'll go away too. Mitherines! Pause. Everyone is upset and confused. A smash! Such a valuable thing! Oh, Ivan Romanich, Ivan Romanich, I'd give you minus zero for conduct. That was Mother's clock. Perhaps. Well, if it was hers, it, it was. Per, perhaps I didn't smash it, but it only seems as though I had. Perhaps it only seems to us that we exist, but really we aren't here at all. I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. What are you staring at? Natasha has got a little affair going with Protopopov and you don't see it. You sit here and see nothing while Natasha has a little affair on with Protopopov. May I offer you this fig? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> How very strange it all is, really. When the fire began, I ran home as fast as I could. I went up and I saw our house was safe and sound and out of danger, but my little girls were standing in the doorway in their nightgowns. Their mother was nowhere to be seen. Uh, people were, were bustling about. Uh, horses and dogs were running about. And, and my children's faces were full of alarm, horror, please, for help. And I, I don't know what. It uh, wrung my heart to see their faces. My God, I thought. What more? have these children to go through in the long years to come. I, 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 I took their hands and, and ran along with them and could think of nothing else but what more they would have to go through in this world. When I came to your house, I found their mother here, screaming and angry. And, 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 and while my little girls were standing in the doorway in their nightgowns and the street was red with fire and there was fearful noise. I thought that something like it used to happen years ago when the enemy would suddenly make a raid and begin plundering and burning and yet in reality what a difference there is between what is now and has been in the past. And when a little more time has passed, about uh, another two or three hundred years, people will look at our present manner of life with horror and, and, and derision, and, and everything of today will seem awkward and, and heavy and very strange and uncomfortable. <laughs> what a wonderful life that will be! What a wonderful life! <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, forgive me, here I am, uh, airing my theories again. Allow me to go on, allow me to go on. I have such a desire to talk about the future. I, I'm in a mood, I'm in a mood. It's as though 
everyone were asleep. And so I say, what a wonderful life it will be. Can you only imagine? Here, there are only three of your sort in the town. But in the generations to come, there will be more and more and more. And the time will come when everything will be changed and be as you would have it. They will live in your way. And later on, you too will be out of date. People will be born who will be better than you. <laughs> I, I am in such a strange state of mind today. I, I have a, a fiendish longing for life. The young and old are bound by love and precious are its pangs. <laughs> Ram tam tam. <laughs> Enter Phototic. Burnt to ashes. Burnt to ashes. Everything I had in the world. <laughs> well, that's not something to joke about. Is everything burnt? Everything I had in the world. Nothing is left. My guitar is burnt, and the camera, and all my letters, and the notebook I meant to give you. That's burnt too. Enter Sulioni. No, please go, Vasily Vasilievich. You, you can't stay here. <laughs> How is it the Baron can be here and I can't? We must be going, really. Uh, how's the fire? They say it's dying down. No, I really can't understand why the Baron may be here and not me. Ram tam tam. Tam tam. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into the uh, the dining room. Very well. We'll make a note of it. I might explain my meaning further, but I fear I may provoke the geese. Chuk chuk chuk. Goes out with Bershin and Infidotic. How that horrid Solyoni has made the room smell of tobacco. The Baron is asleep. Baron! Baron! I'm, I'm tired, though. Rickyard, I, I'm not talking in my sleep. I, I really am going to the Brickyard factory directly to begin work. It's nearly settled. You're so pale. Lovely, fascinating. It seems to me as though your paleness sheds a light through the dark air. You're melancholy, you're dissatisfied with life. Come with me. Let's go. And work. Nikolai Lovovich, go away. <laughs> Are you here? I didn't see you. Goodbye, I'm going. I look at you now and I remember as though it were 
long ago how on your name day you talked of the joy of work and were so cheerful and confident. What a happy life I was dreaming of then. What has become of it? There's a, there are tears in your eyes. Go to bed, it's getting light, it's nearly morning. If only I could give my life for you. Nikolai Lovovich, do go. Really, this is too much. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. You asleep, Fyodor. Eh? You'd better go home. My darling Masha, my precious girl. She's tired out. Let her rest, Fyodya. I'll go at once. My dear, charming wife, I love you, my only one. Amo, amas, amat, amanos, amatis, amat. <laughs> yes, really, she's wonderful. You have been my wife for seven years, and it seems to me as though we were only married yesterday. Honor bright. Yes, you, really, you are a wonderful woman. I'm content, I'm content, I'm content. I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And there's something I can't get out of my head. It's simply revolting. It sticks in my head like a, ma- like a nail. I must speak of it. I mean, about Andre, he has mortgaged this house to the bank and his wife has grabbed all the money and no, the house doesn't belong to him anymore, but to us four. He ought to know that if he's a decent man. Why do you want to bother about it, Masha? What's got into you? Andrisha is in debt all around, so there it is. It's revolting anyway. We're not poor. I work, I go to the high school, and then I give private lessons. I do my duty. There's no nonsense about me. Amina mea mecum porto, as the saying is. I want nothing, but it's the injustice that revolts me. Go, Fyodor. You're tired. Rest for half an hour, and I'll sit and wait for you. Sleep. I'm content. I'm content. I'm content. Yes. How petty our Andre has grown. How dull and old he has become beside that woman. At one time, he was working to get a professorship, and yesterday... He was boasting of having succeeded at last in becoming a member of the district council. He's a member, and Protopopov is chairman. The whole town is laughing and talking of it, and he's the only one who sees and knows nothing. And here, everyone has been running to the fire while he still sits in his room and takes no notice. He does nothing but play his violin. Oh, it's awful, awful, awful. I can't bear it anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't. Comes in throw and me out. Table. Throw me out, throw me out. I can't bear it anymore. What is it? What is it, darling? Where? Where has it all gone? Where is it? Oh my God, my God, I've forgotten everything. Everything is a tangle in my mind. I... I I, I don't remember the Italian song. 
window or ceiling. I've forgotten everything. Every day I forget something more and life is slipping away and we'll never come back. We'll never, never go to Moscow. I see that we won't go. Darling, darling. Oh, I'm miserable. I can't work. I'm, I'm not going to work. I've had enough of it. Enough of it. I've been a telegraph clerk and, and now I have a job in the town council and I hate and despise every bit of work they give me. I'm already 23. I've been working for years. My brains are drying up. I'm getting thin and, and old and ugly and there's nothing, nothing, not the slightest satisfaction and time is passing and you feel that you are moving away from a real beautiful wife, moving farther and farther away and being drawn into the depths. I'm in despair and I, I don't know how it is I'm alive and I haven't killed myself yet. Don't cry. My child, don't cry. It makes me miserable. I'm not crying. I'm, I'm not crying. It's over. There. I'm not crying now. I won't. Darling, I'm speaking to you as a sister, as a friend. If you care for my advice, marry the Baron. You know you respect him. You think highly of him. It's true, he isn't good looking. But he is such a thoroughly nice man. So good. A person doesn't marry for love. But to do her duty. That's what I think anyway. And I would marry without love. Whoever proposed to me, I'd marry him. If only he were a good man. I'd even marry an old man. I kept expecting we should move to Moscow and there I should meet my true love. I've been dreaming of him, loving him. But it seems that was all nonsense. Nonsense. My darling, lovely sister, I understand it all. When the Baron left the army and came to us in plain coat, I thought he looked so ugly that it positively made me cry. He asked me, <laughs> why are you crying? How could I tell him? But if God brought you together, I should be happy. That's a different thing, you know, quite different. Natasha with a candle in her hand walks across the stage from door on right to door on left without speaking. She walks as though it were she who set fire to the town. Masha, you're silly. The very silliest of the family. That's you. Please forgive me. I want to confess my sins to your sisters. My soul is yearning. I'm going to confess to you never again to anyone. I'll tell you this minute. It's my secret, but you must know everything. I can't be silent. I'm in love. I'm in love. I love that man. You have just seen him. Well, I may as well just say it straight out. I love Rashidin.
Stop it. I'm not listening anyway. What am I to do? At first I thought him strange. I was sorry for him. Then I came to love him. To love him with his voice, his words, his misfortunes, his two little girls. I'm not listening anyway. Whatever silly things you say, I won't hear them. Oh, yeah, you are silly. I love him. So that's my fate. I mean, that's my lot. And he, he loves me. So terrifying. Yes. Is it wrong? My darling. How are we going to live our lives? What will become of us? When you read a novel, it all seems trite and obvious, but when you love yourself, you see that no one knows anything and we have to settle things for ourselves. My darlings, my sisters, I confess to you. Now hold my tongue. I'll be like Gogol's madman. Silence. Silence. Enter Andre and after him, Therabond. What do you want? I can't make it out. Told you ten times already, Andrei Sergeyevich. In the first place, I'm not Andrei Sergeyevich, but your honor to you. The firemen ask permission, your honor, to go through the garden to get to the river. Otherwise, they have to keep going round and round. It's an awful nuisance for them. All right, tell them, all right. I'm sick of them. Where's Olga? I've come to ask you for the key of the cupboard. I've lost mine. You've got one, so it's a little key. Olga gives him the key in silence. Irina goes behind her screen, a pause. What a tremendous fire. Now it's begun to die down. Damn it, all that Therapont made me so cross I said something silly to him. Your Honor. Why don't you speak? Olya, it's time to drop this foolishness and sulking all about. You're here, Masha, and you too, Irina. Very well, then. Let's have all things out thoroughly, once and for all. What have you got against me? What is it? Stop it, Andrisha. Let's talk tomorrow. What an agonizing night. Don't excite yourself. I ask you quite calmly, what have you against me? Tell me straight out. Ram, tam, tam. Tra-ta-ta. Good night, Olga. God bless you. Sleep well. Good night, Andre. You'd better leave them now. They're tired out. You can go into thanks tomorrow. Yes, really, Andreusha. Let's put it off until tomorrow. It's time we were in bed. I'll say what I have to say and then go. Directly. First, you have something against Natasha, my wife, and I've noticed that fr- I've noticed that from the very day of my marriage. 
Natasha is a splendid woman. Conscientious, straightforward, and honorable. That's my opinion. I love and respect my wife. Do you understand? I respect her, and I insist on other people respecting her too. I repeat, she is a conscientious, honorable woman, and all your disagreements are simply caprice. Secondly, you seem to be crossed with me for not being a professor, not working at something scholarly, but I'm in the service of the Zemtsvo. I'm a member of the district council, and I consider this service just as sacred and elevated as the service of learning. I'm a member of the district council, and I'm proud of it, if you care to know. Thirdly, there's something else I have to say. I've mortgaged the house without asking your permission. For that, I am to blame. Yes, and I ask your pardon for it. I was driven to it by my debts. 35000 I'm not gambling now. I gave up cards long ago. But the chief thing I can say in self-defense is that you girls, you get a pension. Well, I don't get my wages, so to speak. <sighs> Isn't Masha here? Where is she? It's so strange. They won't listen. Natasha is an excellent, conscientious woman. When I married her, I thought we should be happy. Happy, all of us. But my God, dear sisters, darling sisters, you must not believe what I say. You mustn't believe it. Uh, where is Masha? Isn't Masha here? How strange. The fire bell rings in the street. The stage is empty. Olya! Who is that talking on the floor? It's the doctor, Ivan Romanich. He's drunk. What a troubled night. Mm. Olya! Have you heard? The brigade is going to be taken away. They are being transferred to some place very far off. That's only a rumor. Then we shall be alone. Olya? Well? My dear, my darling, I respect the Baron. I think highly of him. He's a fine man. I'll marry him. I consent. Only let's go to Moscow. I implore you, please, let's go. There's nothing in the world better than Moscow. Let's go, Olya. Let's go. Curtain. Act four, Old Gardens of the Prozorov's House. A long avenue of fir trees, at the end of which is a view of the river. On the further side of the river, there is a wood. On the right of 
of the veranda of the house. On the table in it are bottles and glasses. Evidently, they have been drinking champagne. It is 12 o'clock noon. People pass occasionally from the street across the garden to the river. Five soldiers pass rapidly. Chbutkin, in an affable mood, which persists throughout the act, is sitting in an easy chair in the garden, waiting to be summoned. He's wearing a military cap and has a stick. Irina Kogin and a decoration on his breast with no mustache and Tuzenbach standing on the veranda are saying goodbye to Fedotik and Rode. We're going down the steps. Both officers are in marching uniform. You're a good fellow. We've got on so happily together. Once more. Till we meet again? No, it's goodbye for good. We'll never meet again. Who knows? Here I am crying too. We'll meet someday. In 10 years or 15 perhaps. But then we shall scarcely recognize each other. We'll greet each other coldly. Stand still. Once more for the last time. We'll never see each other again. Thank you for everything. Everything. Can't you stand still for a minute? Please, God, we shall meet again. Goodbye, my dear boy. Write to us. Be sure to write to us. Goodbye, trees. Hello. <laughs> Goodbye, Echo. <laughs> I shouldn't wonder if you get married in Poland. Your Polish wife will clasp you in her arms and call you... Kokani. <laughs> we have less than an hour of our battery. Only Salonia is going on the barge. We're going with the rank and file. Three divisions of the battery are going today and three more tomorrow. And peace and quiet will descend upon the town. And dreadful boredom, too. And where is Maria Sergeyevna? Masha is in the garden. We must say goodbye to her. Goodbye. We better go or I'll begin to cry. This We've is had a little... Blended time here. This is a little souvenir for you. A notebook with a pencil. We'll go down this way to the river. As they go away, both look back. Hello! Ooh, ooh. It's gone. Rode and Fetter took meet Masha in the background and say goodbye to her. She walks away with them. Irina sits down at the bottom of the step of the veranda. They've gone. They have forgotten to say goodbye to me. Well, what about you? Why, I somehow forget too. But I'll see them again soon. I'm setting off tomorrow. Yes, I have one day more. In a year, I shall be on the retired list. Then I'll come here again, and I'll spend the rest of my life near you. There's only one year now before I get my pension. I'll come to you and arrange my life quite differently. I've become such a quiet, on, honorable, well-behaved person. Well, you do need to arrange your life differently, dear Ivan Romanich. You certainly ought to somehow. Yes, that's the way I feel. Ta-da, boom, dear. 
Even Romanich is incorrigible. Incorrigible. You ought to take me in hand. Then I would reform. Fyodor has shaved off his mustache. I can't bear to look at him. <laughs> Why? What, what's wrong? I might tell you what your face looks like now, but I better not. Well, it's the thing now, Modest Vivendi. Our headmaster is clean-shaven, and now I'm second to him. I've taken shaven, too. Nobody likes it, but I, I don't care. I'm content. With mustache or without mustache, I'm equally content. Ivan Romanich, darling, I'm dreadfully uneasy. You were on the boulevard yesterday. Tell me, what was it that happened? In the background, Andre is wheeling a baby asleep in a baby carriage. What happened? Nothing. Nothing much. It doesn't matter. The story is that Solioni and the Baron met yesterday on the boulevard near the theater. Stop it! Really? <laughs> With a wave of his hand, walks away into the house. Near the theater, Solioni began persisting the Baron, and he couldn't keep his temper and said something offensive. I don't know. It's all nonsense. A teacher at a divinity school wrote nonsense at the bottom of an essay, and the pupil puzzled over it, thinking it was a Latin word. <laughs> it was terribly funny. They say Solioni is in love with Irina and hates the Baron. That's natural. Irina is a very nice girl. Everything frightens me somehow today. All my things are ready. After dinner, I'll send off my luggage. The Baron and I are to be married tomorrow. Tomorrow we go to the brick factory and the day after that I'll be in the school. A new life is beginning. God will help me. How will they fare with me? When I passed my exam as a teacher, I felt so happy, so blissful that I cried. A cart will be coming soon for my things. That's all very well, but it does not seem serious. But it does not seem serious. It's all nothing but ideas and very little that is serious. However, I wish you success with all my heart. My good, delightful darling. My heart of gold. Well, today, the officers will be gone and everything will go on in the old way. Whatever people may say, Masha is a true good woman. I love her dearly and am thankful for my lot. People have different lots in life. There's a man called Kozrev serving in the excise here. He was at school with me, but he was expelled from the fifth form because he could never understand ad constructivum. Now he's frightfully poor and ill, and when I meet him, I say, how are you ad constructivum? Yes, he says, just so, consecutive bum. Then he coughs. Now, I've always been successful. I'm fortunate. I've even got the order of Stalinsov in the second degree, and I'm teaching others that consecutivism. Of course, I'm clever, cleverer than many, very many people, but happiness doesn't lie in that. 
In the house, the maiden's prayer is played on the piano. Tomorrow evening, I'll not be hearing that maiden's prayer. I won't be meeting Protopopov. Protopopov is sitting there in the drawing room. He's come again today. The headmistress hasn't come yet? No, they've sent for her. If only you knew how hard it is for me to live here alone without Olya. Now that she is headmistress and lives at the high school and is busy all day long, I'm alone. I'm bored. I have nothing to do and I hate the room I live in. I've made up my mind, since I'm not fated to be in Moscow, that so it must be. It must be destiny. There's no help for it. It's all in God's hands. That's the truth. When Nikolai Livovich made me an offer again, I thought it over and made up my mind. He's a good man. It's wonderful, really, how good he is. And I, I suddenly felt as though my soul had grown wings. My heart felt so light. And again, I longed for work. Work, only... Something happened yesterday. There's some mystery hanging over me. Nonsense. Our headmistress. Oh, the headmistress has come. Let's go in. Goes into the house with Irina. <laughs> Masha approaches in the background. Andre is pushing the baby carriage. Here he sits, snug and settled. Well, why not? Nothing. Did you... Did you love my mother? Very much. And did she love you? That I don't remember. Is my man here? It's just like our... Kakamarfa used to say about her policeman, is my man here? Not yet. When you get happiness by snatches, by little bits, and then lose it, as I'm losing it by degree, one grows coarse and spiteful. I'm boiling here inside. Here's our Andre. All our hopes are shattered. It's like thousands of people raised a huge bell, a lot of money, and labor was spent on it, and it suddenly fell and smashed all at once for no reason, whatever. And that's just how it is with Andre. When, when will they be quiet in the house? There's such a noise. Soon. My watch is an old-fashioned one with a repeater. The first, the second, and the fifth batteries are going at one o'clock. And I'm going tomorrow. For good? I don't know. Perhaps I'll come back in a year. Though goodness knows. It doesn't matter one way or another. There's the sound of a harp and violin being played far away in the street. The town will be empty. It's as though you put an extinguisher over it. 
something happened yesterday near the theater. Everyone is talking about it, and I know nothing about it. It was nothing. Foolishness. Solione began annoying the Baron, and he lost his temper and insulted him. And it came in the end to Solione's having to challenge him. It's time, I think. It was to be at half past 12 in the crown forest that we can see from here beyond the river. <laughs> Solione imagines he is a Lermontov and even writes verses. Joking apart, this is his third duel. Whose? Solione's. And the Baron's? What about the Baron? My thoughts are in a muddle. Anyway, I tell you, Ought not to let them do it. He may wound the Baron or even kill him. The Baron is a very good fellow, but one Baron more or less in the world? What does it matter? Let them. It doesn't matter. Hello, hello. You can wait. That's Kvortsov, the second shouting. He's in a boat. In my opinion, to take part in a duel or to be present at it even in the capacity of a doctor is simply immoral. That only seems so. We're not real. Nothing in the world is real. We don't exist, but only seem to exist. How they Nothing keep, matters. How they keep on Talking, talking all day long. To live in such a climate, it may snow any minute, and then all this talk on top of it. I'm not going indoors. I can't go in there. When Virginia comes, tell me. The birds are already flying south. Swans are geese. Darlings. Happy birds. Our house will be empty. The officers are going, you're going, Irina's getting married, and I shall be left in the house alone. What about your wife? Enter Farapont with papers. A wife is a wife. She's a straightforward, upright woman. Kind, perhaps, but for all that there's something, for all that there's Something in her which makes her no better than some petty, blind, hairy animal. Anyway, she's not a human being. I speak to you as a friend, the one man to whom I can open my soul. I love Natasha, that's so, but sometimes she seems to me absolutely vulgar. And then... I don't know what to think. I can't account for my loving her or any way having loved her. I'm going away tomorrow, my boy. Perhaps we'll never meet again. So this is my advice to you. Put on your cap, you know, take your stick and walk off. Walk off and just go. Go without looking back. And the Farther you go, the better. So 
So Leone crosses the stage in the background with two officers. Seeing Jabutkin, he turns towards him. The officers walk on. Doctor, it's time. It's half past 12. Directly. I'm sick of you all. If anyone asks for me, Andrusha, say I'll be back directly. Oh. Hmm. He had not time to say a lack before the bear was on his back. Walks away with the doctor. Why are you croaking, old man? <laughs> Come. How do you feel? Like a pig in clover. The old man doesn't need to excite himself. I won't do anything much. I'll only shoot him like a snipe. I've used a whole bottle today and still they smell. My hands smell like a corpse. Yes. Do you remember the poem? And restless seeks the stormy ocean as though in tempest there were peace. Yes. He had not time to say a lack before the bear was on his back. Goes out with Sulione. Shouts are heard. Hello, hello. Andre and Fairpoint can't come in. Papers for you to sign? Leave me alone. Let me alone. I beg you. Walks away with the baby carriage. That's what papers are for. To be signed. Retires to the background. Enter Irina and Tutsenbach wearing a straw hat. Kulgin crosses the stage shouting, Ayo, Masha, Ayo. I believe that's the only man in the town who's glad that the officers are going away. That's very natural. Our town will be empty now. Dear, I'll be back directly. Where are you going? I must go into the town and then see my comrades off. That's not true. Nikolai, why are you so absent-minded today? What happened yesterday near the theater? I'll be here in an hour uh, with you again. A beautiful one. For five years now, I've loved you and still I can't get used to it. You seem to me more and more lovely. What wonderful, exquisite hair, what eyes. <laughs> I shall carry you off tomorrow. We'll work, we'll be rich. My dreams will come true. You'll be happy. There's only one thing. There's one thing. You don't love me. That's not in my power. I'll be your wife and be faithful and obedient, but there is no love. I can't help it. I've never been in love in my life. Oh. I, I have so dreamed of love. I've been dreaming of it for years, day and night, but my, my soul is like a wonderful piano, which is locked and the key has been lost. You look worried. I didn't sleep all night. 
There has never been anything in my life so dreadful that it could frighten me. And only that lost key torments my soul and won't let me sleep. Uh, say something to me. Say something to me. What? What am I to say to you? What? Anything. Just stop it. Stop. <laughs> what trifles, what little things suddenly, apropos of nothing, acquire importance in life. <laughs> you laugh at them as before, think them nonsense. But still, you go on and feel that you don't have the power to stop. <laughs> Let's don't talk about it. I'm happy. I feel as though I were seeing these firs, these maples, these birch trees for the first time in my life. And they all seem to be looking at me with curiosity and waiting. What beautiful trees. And really, how beautiful life ought to be under them. Hello. I must be off. It's time. See, that tree is dead, but it waves in the wind with the others, and so it seems to me that if I die, I'll still be a part of life one way or another. Goodbye. My darling. Uh, those papers of yours you gave me are lying under the calendar on, on my table. I'm coming with you. No. Oh. Goes off quickly, stops in the avenue. Irina? What is it? I didn't have any coffee this morning. Ask them to make me some. Goes out quickly. Irina stands lost in thought, then walks away into the background of the scene and sits down on the swing. Enter Andre with the baby carriage, and Farapont comes into sight. Andre Sergeyevich, the papers aren't mine. They're government papers. I, I didn't invent them. Where is it all gone? What's become of my past when I was young, happy, and clever? When my dreams and thoughts were exquisite? When my present and my past were lighted up, I hope. Why, on the very threshold of life, do we become dull, drab, uninteresting, lazy, indifferent, useless, unhappy? Our town has been in existence for 200 years. There are 100,000 people living in it, and there's not one who's like the rest. Not one saint in the past or the present. Not one man of learning. Not one artist. Not one man in the least remarkable who could inspire envy or a passionate desire to imitate him. They only eat, drink, sleep, and then die. Others are born, and they also eat and drink and sleep, and not to be bored to stupefaction, they vary their lives by nasty gossip, vodka, cards, litigation, and the wives deceive their husbands, and the husbands tell lies to pretend that they see and hear nothing, and overwhelmingly vulgar influence crushes the children, and the divine spirit 
spark is quenched in them and they become the same sort of pitiful, dead creatures all exactly alike as their fathers and mothers. What do you want? Hey! <laughs> Here are papers to sign. You're a nuisance. The porter from the local court was saying just now that there was as much as 200 degrees of frost in Petersburg last winter. The present is hateful, but when I think of the future, it's so nice. I feel so lighthearted, so free. A light dawns in the distance. I see freedom. I see how I and my children will become free from sloth, from kvass, from goose and cabbage, from naps after dinner, from mean parasitic living. Uh, he says that 2,000 people were frozen to death. The people were terrified. It was either in Petersburg or Moscow. I, I don't remember. My sisters. My wonderful sisters. Masha, my sister. Who's talking so loud out there? Is that you, Andreyusha? You'll wake baby Sophie. Il ne faut pas faire du bruit. La Sophie est dormie déjà. Vous êtes un ours. If you want to talk, give the carriage with the baby to somebody else. Farapont, take the baby carriage from the master. Uh, yes, madam. I'm talking... Quietly. Bobbick, naughty Bobbick, little rascal. Very well. I'll, I'll look through them and sign what needs signing, and then you can take them back to the board. Goes into the house reading the papers. Fairmont pushes the baby carriage further into the garden. Bobbick, what is Mama's name? Darling! Darling, and who is this? This is Auntie Olya. Say to Auntie, good morning, Olya. Two wandering musicians, a man and a girl, enter and play a violin and a harp. From the house, enter Vershinin with Olga and Enfisa, and stand off a minute, listening in silence. Irina comes out. Our garden is like a public passage. They walk and ride through. Nanny, give those people something. Oh, go away, and, and God bless you, my dear souls. Oh, poor things, they must be hungry. Why else would they do it? Good morning, Arisha. Well, my little girl, I am having a time of it. Uh, living in the high school in a government apartment with dear Olyushka. Uh, and that's what the Lord has granted me in my old age. I've never lived so well in my life. Oh, sinful woman that I am. It's, it's a big flat and I have a room to myself and my own bed, and all of the government expense. I wake up in the night, and oh, Lord, Mother of God, there's no one in the world happier than me. Uh, we're uh, just going, Olga Sergeyevna. It's time to be off. I, I wish you every, every... Uh... Where is uh... Maria? Sergeyevna? She's somewhere in the garden. I'll go and look for her. If you'll be so kind. I am in a hurry. Uh, I'll go and look for her too. Mashenka! Hello! Goes with Irina into the furthest part of the garden.
everything comes to an end. Here we are, parting. Um, the town has, has given us something like a lunch. We've been drinking champagne. The mayor made a speech. I ate and listened. But my heart was here with you all. I've grown used to you. Shall we ever see each other again? Most likely not. My wife and two little girls will stay here for another month. Please, if anything happens, uh, if they need anything. Yes, yes, of course. Set your mind at rest. By tomorrow, there won't be a soldier in the town. I'll turn into a memory. And of course, for us, it'll be like beginning a new life. Nothing turns out as we would have it. I didn't want to be a headmistress. And yet I am. Seems we are not to live in Moscow. Well, thank you for everything. Uh, forgive me if anything was amiss. I've talked a great deal. Forgive me for that too. <laughs> don't, don't think too, too badly. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't Masha come? <laughs> Uh, what else am I to say to you at parting? Uh, what am I to philosophize about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, life is hard. <laughs> it's, it seems uh, to many of us dull and hopeless, but yet we must admit that it goes on getting clearer and, and easier and, and it looks as though the time were not as far off when it uh, be full of happiness. <laughs> it's time for me to go. Um, yeah, in, in old days, men were abs absorbed in wars, filling all their existence with, with marches, raids, victories, but, but now... <laughs> All oh, that is a thing of the past, leaving behind it a, gr a great void, which there is so far nothing to fill. <clears throat> Humanity is, is searching for it, it passionately, and of course we'll find it. <laughs> yeah. If only it could be quickly. Uh, if, um, <laughs> don't know how um, hard work were united with education and education with hard work uh, but really it's it's time for me to go so uh, oh, here she comes Masha comes in I I I I I, I uh, have come to say goodbye well gotta move a little bit away to leave them free to say goodbye goodbye Don't, don't. Uh, write me. Don't, don't forget me. Uh, 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 oh, let me go. Time is up. Uh, Olga Sergeyevna, uh, take her. I, I must go. I'm, uh, I'm late. 
Come, Marsha. Stop it, darling. Never mind. Let her cry. Let her. My good Masha, my dear Masha, you are my wife, and I'm happy anyway. I don't complain. I, I don't say a word of blame. Here, Olya is my witness. We'll begin the old life again, and I won't say one word, not a hint. Sea strand and oak tree grain upon that oak a chain of gold upon that oak a chain of gold i'm going mad by the sea strand and oak tree green there there masha calm yourself give her some water i'm not crying now she's not crying now she's being good the faint sound of a faraway shot by the sea strand and oak tree green Upon that oak, a chain of gold. The cat is green. Oak is green. I'm, I'm mixing it up. <sighs> Life's a failure. I want nothing now. I'll come down in a minute. It doesn't matter. What does strand mean? Why do these words haunt me? My thoughts are in a tangle. Enter Irina. Calm yourself, Masha. Calm. That's a good girl. Let's go indoors. I'm not going in. I don't go into that house now, and I won't. Let's sit together, even if we don't say anything. I'm going away tomorrow, you know? I took a false beard and mustache from a boy in a third form yesterday. Uh, just, just look. Huh? I, I looked like that German teacher, <laughs> don't I? Funny creature, those boys. You <laughs> <laughs> look like the German teacher. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Masha. Awfully like. Enter Natasha. What? Mr. Protopopov will sit with Sofochka and let Andrei Sergeyevich push Bobik's carriage. What a lot there is to do with children. Irina, you're going away tomorrow. What a pity. Why not stay just another week? Oh! Well, what in the... You gave me such a fright. I'm used to you. And do you suppose that it will be easy for me to part with you? I'll put Andre with his violin into your room. Let him saw away there. And we'll put Safochka in his room. Adorable, delightful baby. Isn't she a good little girl? Today she looked at me with such eyes and said, Mama! Fine child, that's true. So tomorrow I'll be all alone here. First of all, I'll have this avenue of fir trees cut down, and then that maple. It looks so ugly in the evening. My dear, 
That sash does not suit you at all. It's in bad taste. You need to wear something brighter. And then I'll have flowers, flowers planted everywhere, and there'll be such a scent. Why is there a fork lying about on that seat? Why is there a fork lying about on this seat? I ask you. Hold your tongue. She's at it. Behind the scenes, the band plays a march. They all listen. They're going. Enter Shibutkin. Friends are going. Well, happy journey to them. You must go home. Uh, where, where are my hat and cape? I took them into the house. I'll get them directly. Yes, now we can all go home. It's time. Olga Sorgevna. What is it? What? Uh, nothing. I, I, I don't know how to tell you. It can't be. Yes. Such a business. I'm, I'm so worried and worn out. I, I don't want to say another word, but it doesn't matter. What's happened? This is a terrible day. I don't know how to tell you, my precious. What is it? Tell me quickly, what is it? For God's sake! The Baron has just been killed in a duel. I knew. I knew. I'm worn out. Let, let them cry. It, it doesn't matter. The three sisters stand with their arms around one another. It's that band. They're, they're going away from us. One has gone altogether. Gone forever. And we're left alone to begin our life. Over again. We have to. We've got to live. We've got to live. <sighs> A time will come when everyone will know what all this is for. Why there is this misery. There will be no mysteries. And meanwhile, we, we have got to live. We have got to work. Only to work. T tomorrow I'll go alone. I'll teach in the school and I'll give all my life to those who may need me. Now it's autumn. Soon winter will come and cover us with snow and I, I will work. I will work. The music is so happy, so confident <laughs> and you long for life. Oh. My God, time will pass and we shall go away forever and we shall be forgotten. Our faces will be forgotten, our voices and 
and how many there were of us, but our sufferings will pass into joy for those who will live after us. Happiness and peace will be established upon earth and they will remember kindly and bless those who have lived before. Oh, dear sisters, our life is not ended yet. We shall live. <laughs> the music is so happy, so joyful. And it seems as though in a little while we shall know what we are living for, why we are suffering. If we only knew. If we only knew. The music grows more and more subdued. Kulkin's cheerful and smiling brings the hat and cape, and Andre pushes the baby carriage in which Bobak is sitting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If we only knew. If we only knew. <laughs> Curtain. <laughs> Maps from the other side. Thank you, Nikanor. <laughs> well, I hope that had them rolling in the aisles. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah.